0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today, visit ntcmn.edu. Great show today. We hear from Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors. We talk fishing, we talk hunting, we talk it all. And it's like of the weekday, we head down to the Brainerd Lakes area to check it out. It's all coming up. Your trip up north? Plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV, fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrandHavenCampground.com and book your stay today.
1: I'm Will Pampoos and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors because Pat Jackson needs all the help he can get.
0: Hey, today we're checking in with Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors down in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Joel, it's been a while. Welcome back
1: yeah thanks for having me it's good to connect
0: hey joel tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for those who maybe missed you the first time around up here in paul bunyan country i'm sure a lot of people have, have read your stuff and know your stuff but uh tell us your journey into the outdoor world
1: yeah you bet uh i've been working in the outdoors industry for better part of 20 years uh frequent writer contributor to in fisherman and a bunch of other publications and have done quite a bit of tv work and uh I've spent some time guiding over the years, but overall, just uh, a fish head like the rest of us, somebody that loves hunting in the outdoors, and uh, share my experiences when I can, both on my website and uh, some of those partner publications.
0: Is that what you get to do full-time?
1: <laughs> I, I could choose to do it full-time if I want to, but uh, I really enjoy the variety. I do a bunch of other things, too. I uh I still have a career in mapping. I work at the University of Minnesota. I just uh I enjoy doing a whole bunch of different things.
0: Okay. And you know, um most people they get started young in life. I'm assuming you had parents and grandparents that were into the outdoors and kinda guided you along?
1: No doubt. Uh I was uh lucky to have a grandpa like many of us were that just took us fishing whenever he could. Uh grew up fishing panfish from a very young age, stream trout. Um If there was a fish at the other end of the destination, I was all for it. I I had no other use for bikes and no other reason to take a hike. But if, like I said, if there was fishing or hunting at the other end, I was in.
0: (laughs) Well, talk a little bit about the diversity of fishing to this state. Because, you know, those of us up here, we tend to fish our area a lot of lakes, you know, big walleye lakes, big waters. Yeah. um you know maybe get down to Brainerd, often get up to lake of the woods we usually go north not south so explain to us what what's going on in your area compared to what goes on in our area
1: well you bet i to tell you the truth i love that area and i do the same thing i go north to lake of the woods and beyond to canada i just got back from alaska uh i've spent a lot of time on the streams in, in valleys in southern minnesota where i'm at here wisconsin i I think that being a versatile angler that fishes for multiple species makes you a better angler no matter what species you fish. I think wrinkles and parts of pan fishing contribute to walleye fishing, and ocean and saltwater fishing, you can even learn some things and bring back to the walleye lakes of the north. So I I enjoy that variety. That's the spice of life. And when it comes to fishing, it's it's too big to uh, to do just one, in my opinion. <laughs> and
0: you know, you 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 spend a lot of time. You mentioned in Western Wisconsin on the Saint Croix, the Mississippi. You know, uh, if you get down to Brainerd, then you, you know um, that's the part of our area where people start to do a lot of river fishing. Our area, it's not so much, other than you know, it's some trout stream stuff. So, talk sure. about river fishing. How is it different from what we're used to up here?
1: Yeah, you bet. Well, I grew up twenty minutes. From Red Wing, Minnesota, which is uh, the start of Pool 4, the Lock and Dam number 3 up there. And uh, it's really interesting because there's always migrations, and those walleye are moving their way up and down river in the springtime to spawn. Um, they have resident locations in the backwater locations during the summer and Lake Pepin. Uh, you get to do a variety of things. You get to troll lead core and, and jig deep in the summer. You get big wins, you can throw crankbaits, and then you do some creative river techniques in the springtime to get fish to bite it. It's a dynamic system, and, uh, that change forces you to really adapt as an angler, and, uh, I think it's made me better as a lake angler too. So for those, you know, folks that haven't tried some of that uh, big river fishing, it's tough at first, but uh, it's worth kind of ripping off the band-aid and taking a trip. And wherever you go fishing a river, whether it's the Winnipeg up north or uh, the Mississippi down south, you're, it's going to make you a better walleye angler.
0: People tell me that uh, walleyes in the river are a more aggressive fish than walleyes in the lake. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, absolutely, uh, especially in heavier current in the springtime when the water's flowing, these fish have to make a decision. It's uh, It's... Get after it or don't as bait or certain things come drifting by. They gotta, they gotta make that decision. And quite often, uh, if you're doing everything right and having the right drift, presenting the bait in the right places, the bites can be pretty aggressive. And that goes in the fall too with what we've got coming up now. I've got a couple bites where fish are after these shad, uh, or they're even eating uh, frogs that are burrowing for up for the winter. So like they gotta make a decision. They go in and they hammer a jig in plastic. They hammer live bait they uh they really do play ball when they're on so
0: um if you're fishing um where
1: you know you can
0: pick any place to fish where's it going to be
1: <laughs> i don't know that's, that's a great question i was just to alaska and that's a whole new world of opportunity <laughs> oh, that's but. not even the same as the rest <laughs> of the world <laughs> it's not fair right but salt water has really turned my eye to a bunch of different species um if i'm going to pick the midwest or the upper midwest I think really those rivers are great because it's an opportunity for multi-species. The walleyes can be finicky, too. Um, you know, when they're on, they're on. But when, when life is tough from walleye world, well, there's smallmouth to chase. Or there's channel catfish. Or sometimes you can just fish in a way that who knows what's going to bite. It could be everything from a moon eye or a sheephead, some rough fish, to uh, trophy pike. You just never really know. And so if you like that surprise, you like that versatility, That's uh that's something I enjoy, too.
0: That is something that seems to have become um, a more common thing up here. And I've talked about that with a lot of guys up here who were, uh, you know, uh, rarities as bass anglers. Now it's very, very common up here. and People are switching back and forth depending on what's hot. Um, are you seeing that to more diversity down your way or, uh, or yeah. has it always been that way?
1: Yeah, no, I think definitely as anglers get better, uh, which I think we have over the years with all the information that's out there, the electronics, the advancements in technology, we look to expand our understanding and our interests. And, hey, when, when the bite's tough midsummer for uh, for walleyes, maybe they've gone deep and are only feeding during early and, and late periods, sometimes going up in the slop and catching bass on topwater is a blast.
0: Yeah, well, and I tell you, it, it's just really taken off. I think a lot of it has to do with high school angling and college For angling. Sure. Uh, you know, the ability to watch people fish a bass and learn from that on on you know on YouTube or whatever. No um, doubt. H- how about fish, uh, high school fishing down there? Is that is that a popular thing?
1: Oh, it's very popular though. You'd be surprised up north. I mean, that Brainerd team is mm-hmm. huge. You guys yeah. got a big team. Um, we're maybe not as dedicated to fishing in some respects because of all the other competition for other sports, but it's still a very big and growing segment. We've got high school trap teams, too. There's a lot of things competing for kids' time, but, you know, bass fishing, like you said, and the popularization of it has really added a new wrinkle and things to do for fish heads like me. If if I was growing up now, man, I'd be all over that.
0: Oh, absolutely! I, I I keep hearing from uh, from guys that say, "Man, I really wish we'd have had that when I was in high school." No
1: doubt, no yeah. doubt.
0: Uh, and, and you're right. That Brainerd team—I don't know how many they have, a couple hundred at least uh, on their team. So it's it's Start to a- turn
1: into a dynasty. It's like the 49ers of old or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> uh, which, and I think you know, the other thing that
0: makes that so impressive, and I and I think, is the biggest challenge to the growth of the sport in general, is the need to have that adult um, captain to, to captain your boat. That means you have to have a lot of parents that will take the time to go to all these tournaments and, and help you out. Uh, so, you know, kudos to, to the schools that can make that happen.
1: Absolutely, and it's a great a, a great testament to the sport, too, because it brings families together. I mean, uh, unlike some of the baseball tournaments or soccer tournaments that I'm going through with my kids, uh, this one I get to participate in a little bit, so it's uh, it's, it's kind of a fun gig.
0: Well, Joel, I think one of the uh, the biggest challenges to an outdoor guy like yourself this time of year is is trying to figure out how you're going to do it all because not only is uh, it getting to be the best time of year to go fishing, uh, it is also the time when all the hunting seasons start. We've already got early duck season going. We got early waterfowl in general. Uh, we got fall turkey hunting coming. We got uh, archery season coming. Then you know firearm. I mean, how do
1: you do it all? <laughs> That's a great question. It seems like we sit here on, on the precipice of fall for so long and we'll get some warm weather and we're hanging around and all of a sudden it comes and you, you could do something morning, noon and night and it could all be different and you'd still never have enough time to get it all done. October is an embarrassment of riches from that perspective, but I, you know, I've had to pare down a little bit. I, I don't bow hunt as much as I used to. Um, I do shotgun hunt down here. I muzzle load deer i uh i do spend a lot of time in the woods scouting for fall turkey though at the same time it's just more of an opportunity based thing if i've got a good flock working, then i'll chase them but i don't want to forget the river in the fall either um <laughs> it's always it's always a fun deal to do kind of a cast and blast too where we take a little trip and maybe we'll shoot at some grouse in the uh in the morning and then in the evening do some walleye trolling so it it uh yeah it's uh such a great time of year and i'm looking forward to it
0: yeah and then there's the guys who have to figure out how to get bear hunting factored in along with uh, wild <laughs> racing
1: yeah yeah exactly there's just you almost have to pick and choose your battles here a little bit and uh hey if you got vacation maybe uh store it up and take it to fall
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely boss i'll see you in a month and a half
1: it's been great <laughs> chatting
0: <laughs> well have you got anything in print or uh on on other media that we can check out right now
1: yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple, uh, articles coming out for In Fish. I've been working on for part of the summer, still working on some of them now. Uh, In Fisherman has their Tactical Ice Guide and a couple other editions that focus heavily on ice fishing. And that's what we're writing up now. We're kind of, uh, in that long, slow crawl. But before you know it, uh, we're going to be attending sports shows for ice season and getting ready to do all the, uh, consumer shows. You got the St. Paul Ice Show in December and, Gonna be heading out to, uh, the South Dakota show, uh, down in, uh, down in Sioux Falls. So there's a whole bunch of stuff ready to trip as soon as ice season kicks off.
0: How has, how, how dramatic has AIS in particular, zebra mussels, been down there?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty dramatic. I would say we've had it in the larger waters for longer just because the Mississippi River obviously heavily traveled and that serves as kind of a gateway for everything from zebs to Oh man, a million different things. I mean, we've been fighting Eurasian water milfoil in our lakes for quite a while, obviously. But, uh, yeah, actually my son works as uh, an AIS inspector at boat launches in kind of the local area here. So it's something that's always been, you know, kind of close and near and dear to my heart. So it's neat to see him go out and work in that, in that area as well. <laughs>
0: Watch more with Joel Nelson later on in the show, but up next, it's time for our Lake of the Week, and we head down to the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office for all the details. Hi, this is Nate Blazing of the NISTLA Guide League, and I'm doing my best to keep Kevin Jackson from embarrassing himself. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu. This is Bro. Coolest people are on fishing pole bunion country, and Kevin Jackson, too. Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, Holy Cow. It is Lake of the Weekday, and we are checking in with Andy Weebush. He's a fishery specialist out of the Brainerd area office. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Kev. Well, our lake today is Asa awesome It or Aussie, as everybody says, and I'm going to from here on out.
2: <laughs>
0: so tell me a little bit about this lake. Where, first of all, are we going to find it in the Brainerd Lakes area?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of smack dab in at uh, kind of the heart of it, about 20, 25 minutes north of Brainerd. Um, uh, kind of sits in between the town of Breezy Point and Cross Lake, if you kind of can figure out where those are. Um, so to the south of uh, Ossie is uh, Pelican Lake, which is uh, you know kind of a big, bigger walleye fishing mm-hmm. area. And then to the north is um, the Whitefish Chain. So it kind of sits in the the shadows of those two bigger lakes of the area. And um, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a cool lake. I mean, it's long. It's like a, it's kind of an L shape. So it uh, it's only maybe 700 ish acres in size. But um, <laughs> the axis is on the very far east side of it. So if you want to go to the very far end of it it's about a four mile boat ride so it kind of feels like a bigger lake when you're you know putting from the access and going to the far end so uh, yeah it's kind of a kind of a neat lake and it's got a lot of uh, a lot of shoreline to fish Uh, if you're fishing you know uh, weed lines and shorelines so lots of lots of fishable space out there
0: you know, uh, you can get a lot out of your 711 acres when you when it's designed this way, you know, kind of in that L or boomerang shape rather than just a yeah. a big round circle, right? I mean, It gives you, like you know, it gives you a lot more shoreline.
2: Yep, exactly. And I think I, I just looked at this recently and it's, yeah, it's over 13 miles of shoreline, I think, is on the lake. So, I mean, yeah, you can spend quite a bit of time just kind of working up and down and casting and trolling and doing what you want on, you know, on Aussie. So, yeah. You know, uh, fun fun lake
0: particularly on the on the top of the north uh, bay I guess I would call it uh, but but great really, really throughout the lake there's a lot of structure so there's uh, that's that's helpful too
2: there is there's there's um, there's a lot of little points and bumps that stick out um, there's a little island like I said kind of on the, on the north bay that you can fish around um, there's a few little you know main main lake structure humps and, and saddle stuff so uh yeah there is um, there you a lot of structures you can fish. You know, lily pad bays. You know, bull rush beds, uh, deeper weed lines. So, yep, you name it. It's, it seems like it's there.
0: So we we hop into that lake and we tool up and down. We uh, we drop our uh, our bait in the water. What are we going to catch?
2: Well, um, there's always a possibility of walleyes. Um, we we stock it every other year with walleye fingerlings. Um, it's you know we don't get a lot back in our net catches. You know, I would say in an average survey, you know, we're getting you know, one to three, one to four walleyes of gill net, which isn't super high, but, I mean, they're there. So um, you get a crack at them. Um Northerns are there. They're not overly abundant like, you know, some of our lakes can be. Um They're, you know, recently they're in that six to eight, six to nine per gill net, which isn't horrible. Um Size-wise, you know, you have probably 70% of the fish under, say, 22 inches, and then, you know... Maybe the rest between that uh split between twenty two and say thirty inches so okay. yeah there's there's some there's a few bigger fish out there um they can get you know a little bit bigger there's there's two of these so there's four baits out there that they can they can eat lunch on and get a little bit bigger so um and bass bass is another popular one out there um, you know we were out there uh last June and um sampled quite a few of them um, majority of the sizes i mean when we were out there we saw a lot in that say 12 to 14 12 to 15 inch range um we had them up to 17 and a little over 17 and i've heard of people getting you know a few bigger out there so that's always a possibility um as far as panfish goes uh you know bluegills are in there sunfish they don't get overly big i mean you can do some sorting and and, you know get a meal um crappies are out there we don't sample them real well with our equipment they uh they just tend to um uh, suspend over our nets a little bit more and don't swim into them as easy. Um, the ones we do catch are okay. I mean, they're 10 to 12. Um, we saw them up to 13 in the last survey, so that's always a, a nice option too out there.
0: Um, do a lot of people fish that lake?
2: Um, not compared to, like you said, like uh, the whitefish, Chain and Pelican. Sure. I think it kind of gets a little bit overlooked. Um, during the week, it seems relatively quiet. There is a campground out there that gets a little bit of traffic from there, Um Weekends are a little bit busier, but it seems like with the size of it, you know, you can find your own chunk of fishing ground relatively easy out there. Um, so, yeah, and, I mean, there's a little bit of recreational traffic and stuff like that, but nothing, you know, I don't think it's quite to the extent of the, the bigger lakes. You know?
0: it, is it pretty well developed, or is there a...
2: It, it is. It is. There's a lot of homes around there, um, uh, a lot of, you know, cabins. There's, like I said, there's that the campground. Um, I mean, there are some little chunks of shoreline here and there that are undeveloped, but for the most part, is a, it's a relatively highly developed lake. Um seems like most of them in, in the Brainerd Lakes <laughs> yeah. area are that way
0: now. <laughs> I, I do think that is one of the charms we still have left, you know, up in Bemidji and towards yeah. Grand Rapids is there's just uh, a lot of lakes that uh, really are just still yeah. very rustic.
2: That is definitely true. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing people, you know, put up, you know houses and things on what you know me and you would call ponds essentially, and I mean it's just because you know the prime lake shore has already been developed, so they're kind of moving off the you know these smaller little bodies of water
0: it is, is on Lake Ossie. is there a specific species that most people you know when they go fish that's what they want to get it seems like it seems like I've
2: seen um bass kind of dominating um I think you know I think there's probably a walleye component to it, um but they probably fish walleye towards evening and dusk more um because Ossie is such a clear lake, so uh, the daytime bite is probably a little bit trickier out there um so I think there's you know you know mm-hmm. bass is kind of the primary driver during the day, I would say, and then you'll probably see some boats you know working for walleye towards evening type of thing.
0: I I'm taking a look at the map and I see, you know, on off the north edge of the lake, um, there's uh I think it's Kimball and there's a couple other lakes right next to them. Can you get to those other lakes from Ossie? You can
2: you can get um to Kimball uh with a smaller ish boat. Um it's kind of a kind of a shallow channel going through there. Um, I know people have done it with some pontoons. Uh, I don't think you're gonna get, you know, your big wakeboard boat type thing you know up the channel but mm-hmm. um you know smaller fishing boats people go you know take their kayaks through their canoes um you know some of the smaller pontoons so yep yeah, you can get to kimball um and i really can't get past kimball there's another connection past um kimball lake but it's kind of a, a smaller culvert type uh type channel that you could probably get a small kayak through but not really much of a boat so yeah, yeah. A extra water you can get to from aussie
0: and is it worth my time to go to Kimball? Um,
2: you know, for bass, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice, yeah, it's a nice little lake for bass fishing. Um, there are some some okay northerns, and they're not a ton, but I mean, you could do some sorting and probably you know get a little bit, a little bit nicer northern. But you know, I think I think the majority of you know the nicer fish is probably an Aussie. I mean, you got probably a better crack at more walleyes out there, and um, the one the one little I don't know if you want to call it. Uh, sidebar nugget about Aussie is it was, uh, it was stocked with muskies way back in the 60s, like 66, and then another stocking like around 70, 71. Okay. And uh, and there are still a few uh, muskies that are present in the population. I'm sure it's not from, you know, that stocking, but you know descendants from those stockings that have spawned occasionally and have had a few fish, you know, survive and grow, grow up. In fact, about seven or eight years ago, I think we got An email from one of the fisheries guys that lives, um, or works out of the Little Falls office. They have got a family cabin up on Ossie and took a picture of two spawning muskies when they were out on Uh your paddle boat. And, um, you figured one was pushing 50 inches and the other one was probably, you know, 40, 46 inches or so. So there isn't, there is a small chance that you could run into a muskie out there. Um, I don't know if it'd be a, I'd say a target destination to try and go catch them, but they are a few out there.
0: Well, one of the, the things about the lake of the week that I like to f- do is is just feature those lakes that uh, you know uh, are kind of cool that you maybe haven't experienced before, and just yeah. kind of urge people just just go there once, just yeah. just to drive on the lake, you know, yeah. uh, if nothing yeah. else, uh, because there's so yeah. many that we just never get to. When you're surrounded by the lakes, we you mentioned whitefish, pelican. You know, go down to Brainerd, Gull, um, yep. you know, and, and we've got the big ones up here, Winnie, Leach, mm-hmm. you know, Bimage, etc. cetera, Red. Um, yep. There's just stuff that you really need to experience.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Like, um, you know, I live a little bit closer to Brainerd, and so I've got, you know, Gull and North Long and Round and Edward. and right. keep in the backyard, so I just never, I never make it there. It's not that far of a drive, but I just feel like, you know, I've got these lakes, like you said, right there that, <laughs> you know, it's just... You know, I'm sure a lot of people are. It's just kind of you have to make your make a point to go and do it. You know.
0: Well, I mean, I guess if you could fish all day every day, you you might be able to hit every lake in the state by the time you die. But uh, exactly. we just exactly. don't have that kind of flexibility.
2: Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of water to cover. <laughs>
0: Well, listen, if we wanted to give it a try, if we're in the Brainerd Lakes area, live in that area, and want to make the trip over there, how do we uh, get there, and and where is the access? I think you mentioned it's on the far end of the lake.
2: Yeah, the access is off the the far end of uh, the lake. Um, So if you're to take, um, basically, if you're coming from, say, your direction, you'd come down 371, Mm -hmm. and then you could uh, come out of Breezy Point, um, on County Road 11, and then uh, take that to County Road 39, and head north about oh, It's only probably three quarters of a mile north on 39, and it's right off the right off the road there. You'll see it's pretty nice, pretty nice access, pretty good size. I mean, it can accommodate quite a few rigs, and it's got a nice, nice ramp, nice dock, so it's good, good access, and you know, don't have a lot of you know wind issues there, so pretty easy access getting in and out. people want to
0: come and check it out. Any issues on that lake, uh, AIS or otherwise?
2: There, Yeah, so there are zebes, zebra mussels in the lake, and there's also some Eurasian water mill in the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been in there for a while, so I think the zebras were found there in the fall of '03, which I was doing some digging, and I think it was like the second or third lake in the state that they were found in, so it's kind of got that mm. infamous note to it. So, they've been in there for a while. So, and there, I mean, you'll see them on plants and you'll see them on rocks. Um, so, they're in there. So, you're definitely going to want to clean, drain, dry, and check your trailer and make sure all your plugs are pulled and stuff like that when you, when you leave, for sure.
0: All right. He's Andy Webush. He's a fishery specialist out of the Brainerd area office with all the details on Lake Asawunamaki or Aussie. That's our Lake of the Week. Andy, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Up next, we'll check back in with Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors.
1: This is Toby Cavalliva. All of us at LOA are proud to make Kev Jackson sound smart. Sort of. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors.
0: Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, musky, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfast. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Joel Nelson is my guest from Joel Nelson Outdoors, talking fishing, hunting, and a whole bunch more. When we went to break, we were talking about AIS, in particular, zebra mussels. And Joel? We've certainly seen it here. It has really uh, kicked in. I mean, I kicked in on Cast Lake a few years ago. It's really kicked into Bemidji this year. And it's really changed where fish are. I think that's the biggest thing we're finding. It's not that the fish disappear. It's like It's just that they're in different places now.
1: Yeah, and it changes how we fish. I mean, mm-hmm. the Mississippi River and, and Pepin and some of those areas are still muddy and murky. But, you know, whereas I used to use the monoliter when I'm trolling crankbaits in the summer below lead core or even longlining earlier in the season, a lot of times now I'm using just straight braid because I can get away with it from a clarity perspective, being how turbid it is. And it also saves crankbaits from digging around and getting cut off by clusters of zebra mussels. So yeah it's really influenced locations, how we fish where we fish so much of that uh, it, and it'll continue to change as uh, more lakes get them. you know, and we just keep
0: saying you gotta you gotta you gotta take care of business uh, with your boats and all that and um, um there's still the vast majority of water doesn't have a i s yet, but if you're not gonna take care of business, it will
1: well, for sure, and it's really simple i you know. It's about getting into habits as anglers and you start executing those healthy habits for your boat every time you launch, every time you put in and pull out. It just becomes second nature. And then at that point, you're not worrying about it. You're not complaining about it. It's just part of your habit of going fishing, just like so many other things we do from hooking up the boat to, you know, putting the plug in, all that stuff. It just, it's part of what we end up doing and don't think about.
0: What's the biggest change, uh, that you've seen that, that, that has dramatically changed fishing for you in the, in the last 10 to 15 years?
1: You know, the technological revolution, both in ice and open water. I, technology advances forward at, at a reasonable pace no matter what you're doing or where you're at. But I really think we've had two in terms of fishing here recently. I'd look, you know, probably the 1980s and 90s where we had power augers and then, you know, three color flashers and, you know, the, the, the Gen style fish traps. And I think we've had a resurgence of that with, you know, high quality floating suits that, uh, are almost like a shelter in of themselves and the shelters that are out there being lighter and warmer than they ever were. Ice fishing's as comfortable it's ever been. Plus you've got forward facing sonar, which changed things on the ice scape as well as the open water. Now people, you know, they're not fishing unless they can, him off to the side and throw a bait at him because it's so rewarding to see fish catch fish so I uh, I really think we're kind of uh, kind of right in the middle of that second technological revolution in the past 30 40 years or so
0: oh yeah I mean you know I, I from a, like when I was a kid it's playing the video games it was Pong. Yeah. you know look what they had now I mean and yeah, it's, it's the same wonderful. thing with technology and on fishing and of course you know there's there's a lot of opinions about about, about that but um, it's not going away.
1: Yeah, it isn't going away. I Yeah, I have some reservation with it, too. I've always had an issue with, uh, you know, people that steal from the resource and steal from our resources. It's everybody's. And if you're going to be a cheater or if you're going to be a poacher or somebody that feels the need even within the law to constantly keep far more than they'll ever make use of, that, that effect has been amplified with the thought now that most people uh, are better at fishing now and have access to better fishing now than perhaps ever before. Because of this technology
0: yeah hey let's talk deer hunting just for a second. Um, yeah. How's the CWD situation in your area? I know down in the southeast it's been a big challenge.
1: yeah, it is I I'm right on the edge of one I'm just inside of, of a small one. Um, it's you know deer hunting has always been about special regulations in our neck of the woods because mm-hmm. we've always had that zone three nearby and zone four right on the edge of it and different regulations and different seasons for that. Now, uh based on your permit area, everything can be different by crossing a single highway or or a lake, you know, or a river. So, you you got to really pay attention and it's it's definitely changed things. I uh you know, I love seeing larger deer, um whatever whatever their sex. I love eating deer though too. So, uh you know, controlling the doe population has always been a big part of what we need to do down here in crop country. So, I I, I do think that we'll see some changes coming out of it. But uh, for the most part, the populations in my neck of the woods haven't changed too terrible much. It's more about the regulation end of it.
0: Yeah. And we've got uh, plenty up here, but we're starting to, you know, get those reports of CWD here and there out in the woods. Not not necessarily, you know, in those restricted game farms anymore up here. So, right. um, yeah, we're starting to see... Um, that that need to you know give them a sample and and now I think we've got some some ability to take samples ourselves. I think this is, a, is a new project they got going on, which which is going to be very helpful. I would think.
1: I think so too. And again, it's uh, you know we kind of got to roll with the punches as uh, anglers and sports sports persons that are out there enjoying the resource. I I tend not to have as big a problem with it as some people, but uh, again, I think if we're forward looking and kind of band together as hunters and uh, anglers, we can. We can overcome some of these challenges here. We might have to do things differently. Sure. But, uh, we're looking towards the long-term preservation of the species and enjoying this uh, heritage for a long time to come. So I, if there's a little, there's a pound of flesh to be paid now and again with that, I, I'm, I'm fine with that.
0: <laughs> well, listen, if we're going out fishing here in the fall, uh, what do you recommend we be doing to, to catch some, some big old fish regardless of, of what it might be?
1: Yeah, fall. Fall time, uh, is fast fishing, um, and, and not just in terms of what you're gonna be catching or how you're, you're gonna be looking to present the bait, but you should expect fast fishing. And if you're not experiencing reasonable fishing, it's time to move. It's time to stay on the move. And I, I fish a lot of moving presentations during this time period. So I'm either trolling or I'm throwing crankbaits. Those are just favorite techniques. And I'm also keying in on wind. Um, in the fall you tend to have some pretty big wind events and when fish are hungry and bait are disoriented up against these wind blown shorelines when you get a 2 or 3 even 4 day blow from the same direction it's a real opportunity in the fall and that's where throwing puppet minnows throwing you know throwing crankbaits up against the shoreline some of the shad style varieties uh even some of the minnow stick baits some of the neutrally buoyant ones it's just a blast because you'll get all these predators from the lake that are up there doing the same thing. They're just putting the feed bags on. So I really like to concentrate my fall fishing around those wind events. I like to fish fast. I like to move around a lot, and I expect the fishing to be good. And if it's not, I keep hunting and don't have a problem switching lakes until I find where it is. So keep that in mind. If you're not experiencing a decent bite going on, there probably is one going on somewhere. And uh, if not, wait for some of those wind events. Wait for the temperatures to drop, and after that first or second big drop in temperature with some wind, it's go time.
0: You know, uh, there are those of us who who don't like the cold weather, but uh, yeah. we've we've got a lot of technology when it comes to clothing and uh, and gear to keep us warm. If you, you know, just buy the right stuff, and and it's not it's not going to be bad.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the rain gear nowadays is so good that it, it, it's. Serves as a wind block you know not to mention all the same ice fishing suits these floating ice fishing suits you know i run a striker suit and that thing i use it as much in the late fall as i do on ice because it can be really cold uh some blowing wind or a little bit of light rain or snow like that's a cold day i'd rather be out on the ice in 10 degrees than uh on the open water and 35 degrees it uh yeah time to bundle up <laughs> all right well listen i warned you before
0: we uh, wrapped it up we were going to do what we call the fast five are you ready to uh to deal with this
1: yes hit me i'm ready all right Fast five, 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 five.
0: question number one joel nelson what is your favorite fish to catch
1: oh big bluegills um i man you asked me this question and 30 days and i might have just got off a walleye trip but uh and i'd say walleyes but big bluegills year in year out uh they're special to me all
0: right question number two what is your favorite fish to eat oh
1: that's a good one um i'd say crappies not because i think they're the best tasting always but they're pretty available and i man i like just being able to go out catch a meal and cook them up
0: how do you like to prepare them
1: my wife uh, is a stickler. She does not want me trying all these different new recipes. She just really loves my standard. I just I've got my own kind of mix I put together. It's a dry mix. I just bread it and uh, drop it in hot oil. And uh, yeah, she doesn't let me vary from the flight plan very often.
0: <laughs> okay, question number three. Going back in your memory banks, how old were you when you caught your first fish?
1: Oh wow, I I'd probably say four. It, it was it was very young. I mean, dock fishing for bluegills, fishing for chubs uh, in the back pasture, grew up on a farm. I mean, yeah, fishing's been a part of what I've done for a very long time.
0: You, you remember off the top of your head what it, what it was?
1: I would bet that it was the bluegill on French Lake in Faribault, Minnesota.
0: Okay, very good. All right, question number four, hard water or soft water?
1: Oh, you're gonna! Oh, that's killing me. Um, God, I gotta say, soft water only because I get more bang for my buck. I can fish the ocean. I can fish the river or a lake. Ice fishing, I'm kind of, kind of restricted to just a couple states.
0: Okay, (laughs) you know that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. And question number five: Who was your high school celebrity crush?
1: Oh, man, high school celebrity crush? Boy, that's a, that one's crazy. Um, Jennifer Aniston? I don't know. God, that's as good a guess as any. <laughs> all
0: right. See, uh, there's, a bit, there's a few guys that are saying Jennifer Aniston. I guess I'm, I'm talking to uh, much younger people than, than when I
1: was in high school. Yeah, I would bet that's a popular answer, right?
0: Yeah, when I was in high school, it was all about the Farrah posters. So, you know, I'm
1: yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. All right.
0: Well listen, Joel, it was great to have you on the show. Uh, we'll, you know, pr- prepare you another five questions for down the road. But, um, if people want to see what you're doing, what you're writing about, do you have any uh, websites or anything we can go check out?
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, Joel Nelson Outdoors is where I continue to house most of my information, all my articles. And I do tend to advertise it and get it around through social media, which I can be found at Joel Nelson Outdoors on uh, Instagram or Facebook.com slash Joel Nelson Outdoors.
0: All right, Joel Nelson, thanks for joining us today. It was great to have you on. Hey, thanks so much. This was a blast. That's it for today. Once again, thank you to Joel Nelson and thank you to Andy Wybush from the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office for the details on this week's Lake of the Week. Tomorrow, a great show to wrap up the week. Mike Frisch from Fishing the Midwest. This has been the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grand Haven Campground. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. And don't forget, you can listen to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country on KB101FM and KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 weekdays, as well as Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Saturday mornings on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5, B93.3 in Brainerd Baxter, and KICK-FM in Alexandria.